Hi guys, welcome to this episode of Just For The Taste. My name's Luke. And I'm Suzanne. We have an action-packed show as usual for you. Today we're going to talk about the nuances of fine dining. How you actually get Michelin star 1, 2, and 3. And how relevant that is in today's dining experience. And foie gras. We're going to go into foie gras. I don't even know what that is, but I do know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. So enjoy the show, guys. Check this. Hey Luke, how's it going? Good, Suzanne. I'm actually kind of hungry today. Well, aren't you always? Yeah, true, 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 true. <laughs> actually, make me more hungry. What, what did you What did you cook this week? I decided to do something different. Uh, definitely not a purest thing to do when it comes to making soups. I made a uh, surf and turf clam chowder. Uh, surf and t- right. yes. I- I- explain. You're, you're gonna explain. judge. You're gonna judge all you want, but it actually turned out pretty well. I was pretty proud. Uh, so what it is is instead of just having clams, I did a, a bit of turf in there. So I actually got some smoked sausages, uh, some bacon, and uh, some chicken, and I just crisped it up with uh, some onions. Reduced it down and then added all the veggies I wanted. All right, I, I gotta phone a friend here as I usually do because I'm a bit confused if pig is turf. So we got my buddy hey. Liam here. How you doing, Liam? Good, thanks. How are you doing? So would you classify pig as turf? Um, that's well, more of like it, it, that's it's, like it's, shit. It's, uh, it's got feet. It's got feet. Walks on land. All right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought it was just like they ate turf. I, I could be completely wrong because then pigs oh, man, eat they, dead bodies that are trying to get yeah, rid of. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. eat anything you put in front of them. Yeah. That's why they taste so damn good. Hey, I did my best uh, <laughs> as I could as a home cook. So yeah, you know. I, I, I didn't say there's nothing wrong with that. That actually sounds like, delicious. The sausage and a clam chowder. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. definitely doing that. Yeah, clams and sausage. I am hundred thousand percent doing that. <laughs> with the tomato cream base, just letting you know. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Well, I, I cooked something. I changed it up, and this was a bit unorthodox as well. I made some saganaki. Um, lightly breaded, squeeze so of lemon cultured. juice. I know, right? But what I what I did is I put a nice little bit of um, weed infused honey on top of that. Ooh. All that talk last episode of Rusty and uh, smoking a barbecue with uh, pounds and pounds of weed made me go, well, maybe I'll just put a little bit of my saganaki. So you eat the saganaki yeah. covered in weed to get hungry again. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. It's, it's actually called sleepinaki. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. That sounds like a starter for you. Yeah, it was. I put it, I ended up chopping up and put it in tacos. But yeah, <laughs> you make anything a taco. That's a style. So Liam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We wanted to bring you on today to talk about fine dining. Fine dining. The elusive fine dining. I see, I don't know much. Suzanne knows a lot. She puts pig in her. Belly. <laughs> well, it's the opposite of what a home cook is, is what I am. Um, so I think today we're definitely going to learn a lot more on what the opposite of that is. And, uh, you know, we're talking about Michelin stars. We're talking about some... Um, really fine dining food, but made approachable. So that's why we have Lieben here, and he can tell us all about that and educate us. Well, what is a Michelin star? Um, well, so the Michelin Guide is uh, well, Michelin's a tire company. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it has to taste like rubber. But yeah, no. So it's it's a guide. Um, and they uh, they award stars one, two, and three uh, to restaurants deserving. One is usually for food. Two stars is for service and food, and uh, three stars is 
vintage wine, servers, and food. So the trifecta. Trifecta. Yeah, trifecta. Yeah. All right. So uh, you've worked at a restaurant that had a Michelin star before? I have, yes. And was that the first one for just the food or was it the food service or food service and how expensive your wine cellar is? Um, So it was, I worked for a chef, Marco Pierre White, who uh, notoriously had the first three stars at the youngest age in the UK. Oh, yeah. Um, He ended up giving him back uh, quite some time ago because his whole kind of Michelin madness that follows the stars and everyone's just trying to you know strive for so does that take away from like what the food is because it has to adhere to a certain um i there you know there's different ways of looking at it you know you have your newer generation of chefs who look at michelin like you know you need the green oils you need the purees you need the this and that whereas the real base basics of cooking is you know simplicity Right. And that's where it all started from. So know. I'm curious just because, you know, just like the world of art and creativity, there is subjectivity, I believe, uh, either way, anyways, in the art world for cooking and for gaining that Michelin star. What is there are specific criteria that a restaurant has to meet um, when it comes to let's just focus on the food side? Um, is there a checklist for that? It's not necessarily a checklist for the dishes as long as it's well ex- executed presented well seasoned well you basically crossed all the bases there right and that's that's all any chef really strives to go for yep um there's a there's a new generation though of of chefs in the fine dining kind of movement that are looking for that green oil looking for that you know very aesthetic vision rather than worrying about the actual taste taste in the composition of the dish which is uh kind of defeats the purpose otherwise why not just paint a picture yeah. Right, go get some oil. And again, paint. like this is this is purely opinionated. This yeah. is how I feel about it. So anyone that's listening to this, uh, don't feel like I'm. This is my way or the highway. But Liam is attacking you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's purely opinionated, and um, you know the way I was brought up, I just I like simplicity, and simplicity is one of the hardest things to do properly. Yeah, so I definitely hear, um, you know, I think the simpler it is, the simpler ingredients, the truer you stay to those ingredients uh, makes a fantastic dish. So it sounds like you are super passionate about food, which is amazing. And you've been in the industry for quite some time. So let's go back to your humble beginnings when you were maybe a child or just growing up. Who was your biggest influence growing up when it comes to food? You know what? there There was never really, as a kid growing up, there was never really any kind of milestone moment there. It was when I was in Montreal, um, I had a friend, Christina, who brought me to a restaurant called Galmanger, uh, where Chuck Hughes was the chef there. And I love he, that guy. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I remember eating his food. And before that, you know, I'd worked at Earl's. I'd yeah, yeah. Cactus, whatever, you know, little chains in here Earl's and there. Earl's cactus, all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. I had the bearings, yeah. but when I had this guy's food... Yeah. I was like, Pfft. it's an aha moment. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, there's more to I, it. I want to be a chef. Yeah. So, what was uh, distinctive or memorable about it? Do you think that kind of changed your mind? Uh, how much foie gras you used? <laughs> well, and, what is that? See, I'm a bit. I, yeah. Maybe so, I put too much weed on my saganaki, but what what is that? Oh, put more on it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's going to sound quite vile to yeah. anyone who doesn't know what it is. It's uh, it's duck liver. Mm. What, what? Um. It's quite fatty. Yep. It's not necessarily treated the best. Okay. But it tastes good? It's so tasty, though. 
How would you describe that in terms of enhancing the food itself? Because I know that uh, it's used in limited amounts, but uh, maybe Montreal is a little heavy-handed with that because they love that ingredient. That's probably one of their favorites. In, in French cooking, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of foie gras used you know, across the board. Um, mm-hmm. It's how you use it. It's what you apply it to. Right. right. Anyone can just throw a piece of foie gras on anything and charge, you know, 60 pounds for a dish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I should say dollars. I'm talking about yeah, right, right so hold on. So you worked in England then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where, yeah, I did, yeah. Where, whereabouts have you worked? In um, like, what countries? So I spent the most of my career actually working in Dubai. Um, and that that's where I was working for Marco. We opened uh, a steakhouse there. Yeah. Uh, Marco Pioi Grill in the Conrad Hotel. Now, he works in Australia now, doesn't he? He's, he on, he's kind of all over the place. He's, he, on, he's on MasterChef. He's one of the judges on MasterChef. Um, that's so Incredibly cool. talented guy, and he, he just, he's just doing what he loves to do. Yep. You know, any time I've seen him, you know, walking around restaurants, he's, he's not the kind of stickler that you think he was. He just kind of questions you and then walks away. Ma- then makes you think? Oh. Yeah, and then you're, then you're set there like... He's like, why are you doing that? Because yeah. um, uh, uh, I, I think it's good. See, and then that- he just, he'll just walk away. And then you're, you're it, sat there thinking, you're like, well, is it good? Is this good? <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like a very different experience to what a lot of people do when they go through training, uh, especially when becoming a chef. I hear, you know, it's, it's not easy. And I think uh, at times I hear people get yelled at. So you seem to have the opposite experience where it's more... Oh, I got yelled at. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, got yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> I left that out. There's a lot of bad words I can't say. You know, it was he, he's he's got a lot going on, right? So he was not always there. When he is there, he's a presence. Gotcha. Right, and that's that's what really makes you kind of when it does come to it, and he's you know standing behind you, you're almost sweating. Like I remember I, the first time I was my, I'm very confident in what I do. Yeah. My hand was shaking. <laughs> I had this pan full of rendered duck fat, hot as shit. So he's splashing it everywhere. I'm, I'm holding it like, I'm, like Parkinson's. I'm just shaking everywhere. And he's standing behind me, staring at me. I was like, oh, fuck. So what <laughs> would you eat? say is like the biggest lesson you learned from him? Make it nice. Make it nice. Okay. Presentation. Yeah. Okay. Not even presentation, just the ingredients itself. He's not much of a dots and swoops and swipes kind of guy. He's just make it taste good, put it on a plate, serve it. Okay. If it doesn't taste good, if it's not well seasoned, don't put it on a plate. Yeah, and you, that is the main thing I think is seasoning. Yeah, <laughs> seasoning's bit. Yeah, it's literally the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think it's a very and seasoning comes down to salt. It comes to pepper, spices, vinegar, acidity, uh, and the balance between that balance, sweetness right? and acidity. And we had Rusty Johnson on last week, and he calls it the perfect triangle of acidity, sweetness, and salt. Yeah. You get all that together, then you have a dish. But then, you know, you also want to add in your bitterness into that, right? So when the, the, the best thing that Marco, to tying back to your question there, yeah. um, that he said was, you know, pay attention to what's happening to your tongue. When your tongue Ooh. starts watering at the sides of the back of the mouth, you yeah. get your salty, sweet, bitter, savory, you know what I mean? Wow. You know when you take one bite of something? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the reaction. Back, the reaction, the back of the sides of your tongue, they, it just starts to water. I'm going to be so conscious of that going forward. Right. And yeah. you should, right? And this yeah. is Because this, this is what's, this is how we train our palate. Yeah. And I don't think many people have been privy to proper palate training. No, exactly. 
I know my mouth gets wet a lot thinking about food. Right? <laughs> Hope you don't kiss your mother with that. No. <laughs> Not in a while, mate. And mum, if you are listening, I love you. <laughs> um, no, it sounds like what you've learned, you definitely you know, treat the ingredients and have respect for each individual ingredient and the seasoning that goes into it and how you treat it will really round out that dish. So would you say you carry that on to kind of the inspiration of how you cook until today? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, awesome. it's a whole philosophy, right? And, you know, I've, I've done the, I moved back to London after Dubai and I went and worked at a place called Restaurant Hours High End. And it was that kind of like fancy plating, you know, dots, swipes, swooshes and all that. And kind of, you know what? I, it kind of took away yeah, it's from, a from the focus. actual labor of love. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. when you have... You know, everyone's sous vide's a big thing, right? It's everyone's sous vide's now. But I'm more classic. And again, let me remind everyone, this is purely opinionated. I'm more classic. I'm pots, pans, and fire. Yep. Not sous vide, plastic bag, and blowtorch. Yeah, it's a different It's, it's different a different ballgame. Now, yeah. how much does it affect the results, do you think? Is it trying to emulate what you can do with pots and pans, or is it a different taste altogether? Uh, sous vide definitely has its time and its place. Yeah. Um, I don't think, for example, like a chicken breast should be sous vide. I think it should just be cooked. Yep. You know, aluminum proper, get that crispy skin, nice and juicy, whatever. See that side Thighs. of my mouth just went wet when you said right uh, yeah. crispy skin. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so when, when you sous vide, you're actually locking moisture in, which is good for the meat itself. But if you're looking for a crispness, right, it has, yeah, you're not going to get that. It has that moisture in it already. So you have... Depends. Depends what the the your outcome that you're looking for, really, um, and like I said, the you know new age movements, old school methods. Everything has its time and its place, and it's about yeah. understanding when that time and its place is. And I love that juxtaposition just because when you're talking about classical cooking and you're talking about new age in terms of just technology that's been introduced into the food world. I think, you know, things like the sous vide machine itself, right? It's very scientific now. It's all temperature based where back then and, you know, from the roots of it all is that as a chef, you're going to have to do it manually and know the basis of that Touch cooking. Touch and feel. Exactly. So how do you feel about that movement? And I know you mentioned that you don't like the, you know, the swooshes and the, the little dots. I'm not saying I don't like it. Um, I've definitely uh, been the culprit of a couple of dots <laughs> and some swooshes before. But <laughs> yeah. I, I like the old school method, just being able to touch, feel, smell, see. So you see the natural progression yeah. of whatever it is that you're cooking instead of putting something in a plastic bag and water for, um, I don't know, say four, three, four hours, 24 so hours, however many hours, you know what I mean? Sort of like the analog versus digital sort exactly. of thing with yeah. sound recording, all right? Yeah, that sounds we spoke about this last time. Yeah, and I, it's very like, you know, like it's a different approach and some ears hear the analog sound some tongues get wet to that analog taste as well yeah exactly so it all depends on the person that's eating it too i guess yeah yeah and i feel like it has definitely influenced where food is going and how people are enjoying food down to ambience down to you know what chefs um even from you know michelin star chefs who've branched out 
you know, and done their own thing just because it's almost like an anti-culture of that swoosh or, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, downplaying that. I think there is a place and time for food that looks, you know, visually appealing and also tastes good because it's there, right? But I don't think that is exactly inviting for a huge audience. And yeah. I think like food is meant to invite everyone to the table. So, you know, what are your thoughts on today's chef who chose to branch out? And, you know, there are kind of almost two parties now kind of coexisting. Well, I'm going to use um, uh, a guy named Danny Meyer. Um, he's probably one of the most well-respected men in the hospitality game uh, to this day. Okay. He runs a group called Union Square Hospitality. Uh, he owns 11 Madison Park, which was just most recently voted number one restaurant in the world. So this is this is in England, is it? No, this is in New York, in but New he, York. he's okay. everywhere, right? So yeah. he owns Shake Shack as well. Okay. So what? that's just to give you the spectrum. The spectrum. Yeah, there we go. You know go. what I mean, right? Yeah. And... Uh, don't quote me on this. I can't say they've shut their doors for good or not. Uh, last I heard, uh, 11 Madison Park was talking about not reopening the doors. Affected through COVID. Through COVID, right? And COVID's, and now, now we're opening a whole other Pandora <laughs> box yeah. with COVID. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, destroyed the fine dining industry. Definitely. Right? There, There's definitely still going to be some that are going to stick around, but it's, Danny Meyer said it the best I have ever heard it from anybody else. He said the the times of feeding the top one percent are over as we know it. Yeah, they're not getting DoorDash from fine dining restaurants. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So it's sort of like it's totally yeah, a you different. Know, you know, a whole brioche and foie gras truffle stuffed chicken. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd love it. Yeah, but like you ain't gonna get that delivery. Eighty quid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually created this uh, new market that I find super interesting where it's that type of food that you would still want to eat at times, you know, just for celebrations, but people would actually want to own that experience possibly at home. So there's a lot of that emerging nowadays where restaurants are choosing to have things that are uncooked and pre-prepared in packages. You know, the keg is doing that uh, for people to enjoy at home. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, it's funny you ask that is because that's what I'm actually starting to branch into. You know, I've uh, just in the past, what, how long has it been now? Two weeks? Yep. Two weeks, three weeks. Um, first time in 15 years I've left restaurants. Wow. I don't work in the kitchen anymore. I work from home. Um, I do private dinners for friends, family, uh, you know, and it's starting to grow now. But my main focus is actually doing exactly that is, you know, some, some ready-made meal kits, meal kits, restaurant quality. So it's, it's not necessarily cooked for you yet. Yep. So I give you the raw ingredients. I do most of the prep on it and I'll, you know, everything will be portioned out precisely. Um, I'm going to start off with just a couple of little meal cards, keep the cost low. Yep. Uh, so it'll give you the instructions on how to make everything and then. As it progresses, if it progresses, uh, maybe get a QR code, video link to a uh, a cooking lesson, and grow from that. Because I think right now is you know everyone is wanting to stay at home and learn how to cook. And, yeah, for and, sure. And they want and the quality, bake. right? There's yeah. and there's a lot of very successful meal kit companies out there. And don't there get are. me wrong, like it's yeah. it, it definitely hits the mark for a lot of people. And I see like um. If all the uh, companies have closed their doors, a lot of other companies have opened their doors and grown bigger. So, like, I can see a future, especially in the education part, because people do like to learn. All right. And now that we have these tools out there, um, giving lessons and that, because everyone is sort of cooking a lot more. 
I remember in like March and April, everyone sort of became a professional chef at home. Look what I made. I baked bread. I did this. Everyone got into it. Yeah. You know, but it kind of stopped. Same as that push-up challenge everyone was doing too. For oh, sure. God. And I think like whoever's going to come on top during these times is the ones that can recreate the experience and excitement at home. So what you were saying before of what you want to start and you're, you know, I just have to call out that you're saying a lot of other companies are successful right now yeah. with doing the meal preps and kind of pre-preparing all that. So let's dive deep into that. What do you think that it's going to differentiate you, your meal plans, and maybe is there a particular food item that you're going to specialize in? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm focusing mostly on pasta right now um, that might branch into maybe some other, you know, kind of home style meals like Italian is, is really where I'm going for. I have, right. a, I have a deep love for Italian cooking um, and it's, it's, it's much more than just pasta and for sure. tomatoes pizza. Yeah, and pizza. You know, <laughs> I'm definitely not doing pizza out of this high end oven I have here, <laughs> um, but uh yeah, no, I, like the Italian food is just, and that's that's purely what I believe in. It's that, that simplicity, yeah, where the 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 magic is in the ingredient, and it's how you present it, and it's how you treat that said ingredient. For sure, right? French food is that's what I'm mostly trained in. Yeah, but there's quite a lot of steps in that. There is. <laughs> One of my, Intimidating. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's like. And duck river. Oh, yeah, I'll figure a way to <laughs> squeeze that new Italian somehow. <laughs> it was tattooed on my knuckles. All right, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no, um, I think, you know, one of my favorite things about being a chef is actually the, the teaching process and taking what I've learned from my travels overseas and working under some chefs is giving that to someone else is the biggest benefit to almost anything, really. Because you're, you're giving someone a, a skill for the rest of their life and that you, you, there's nothing that surpasses that no and we all gotta eat we everyone's gotta eat. eat that's and that's the thing food will be the one thing that will never ever ever digress yeah. so it's it just will. the way that it's been distri- the distribution has changed that's what it is that's what's been yeah. upset in the whole process because the demand is still there if not going higher it's just the actual game of getting it to people has yeah. changed yeah so you got to adapt to that and that's exactly, where the success yeah. is. So I think the meal kits are a great idea, especially if there's some sort of tuition involved because, you know, everyone can cook. You know, we have to. Some people can burn water. Other people yeah, can... Some people can't really boil water, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, they burn it, right? <laughs> well, water reduction. Yeah, the water reduction. But, like, everyone's on... Like, I, I think the tuition part is, um, is, is quite high. So, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it's, it's, that's, that's one of my biggest joys. Um, so we'll see what the, the future has to hold with that. I, I'm, I'm just kind of starting to get the branding together for this all and the packaging and see how that goes. And yeah. Yeah, no, I think I love what you said about just Italian food and pasta and how you're, you know, I think it's coming from your soul and your love of the, you know, just the approach itself. So for example, you know, pasta, simple ingredients, and you want to have a simple sauce along with that. But mm-hmm. to have that all ready to go, because uh, let's be honest, I think like it's simplistic, yes, but it's not in the, you know, execution of the, the making the pasta itself. There's process there and there's like, you can still screw up a pasta, um, you know, flour um, and just, you know, the dough itself. Um, and then you're eliminating that process for people putting that together, but the actual putting the dish together, cooking it, that's kind of the joyous part that you hope people could take from that. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Yep, you're yeah. absolutely correct. Um, so what, I, what I'll be doing is actually I'm going to make all the dough myself. Yeah. And that'll be sent out in the kits, ready-made and with fresh pasta, it's, and it would be made fresh daily. Yeah, and are you going to shape that? Or like, um, is yeah, it just I'm, I'm going to probably change it. Uh, I'll probably run two or three passes per week. Yep. On the weekends, I'll do you know some you know maybe chicken cacciatore or you know some something a little Changing bit more up. hearty. Yeah, yeah. Date yeah. night kits, kind of stuff like I that. I think the date night kits where a guy <laughs> buys it and cooks yeah. for the girl. Or, or I've had one of those for a while, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I only aspire. I think that's a great <laughs> idea because it's like a, a feeling of ownership when you make something, eh? Because there is a secret ingredient. I know when I cook for a special person, my secret ingredient is a little pinch of love I put in there. And it tastes a lot better because I know when I'm cooking for me, I might just make a hot dog. Not that's bad or anything. But, <sighs> so. No, for sure. And Liam here is going to treat us to a live, um, actually, walkthrough of just prepping the pasta that he's thinking of selling in the future. Um, it is ready to go soon, and we will get started as soon as we get back. This pasta, it's a very interesting shape. What is this one? So this is called a capolacci. Capolacci. I don't know if I've had it. Um, and you said it's, it was... Stuff. looks beautiful it, it's stuffed with a um, butternut squash roasted garlic and a little bit of sage inside seasoned up a little bit of sherry vinegar then uh, you puree it and that's what the stuffing is inside and then what we're going to be doing is uh, taking just this little bit of butter here we're going to brown it and we have a little bit of guanciale and a little bit of sage all right perfect so, let's uh let's go we're going i always cook with unsalted butter um you can add as much salt as you want. You don't need to add salt. If you use salted, the salt is automatically in there. I know a lot of people, it, it is easier for the home cook to kind of use salted butter, but- uh, You have more control if it's unsalted. You because have more control, it's, yeah. Is it because uh, you have seasoned the stuffing well? Is that why you don't need the salted butter? I still add a little bit of seasoning into the, uh, the, but the brown butter. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. But also remember, right, you have the guanciale, which is a cured meat. So it's... It's, it's, it's salty as well. It's salty as ready, sauce. right? So right. what I normally do is I'll, I'll, I'll finish a sauce. I'll never kind of sear or, sorry, uh, season in the beginning. Uh, and then when the sauce is done, then I'll taste. Yeah. See where we're at. Ooh, so already I'm not it. even looking at it. I, I can, can hear, hear that butter. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it's music to my ears. And when you're um, really, you know, creating that kind of packaging, like what uh, you can tell the audience, you know, for the future, once you have this set up, you know, when you're having this package, how do you want the home cook to be able to execute this? Keep it simple or how would you like them to treat the, uh, the pasta itself? I'm going to try and keep everything that I do for the home cook to a maximum of two pots. So one for boiling one for searing or cooking or sauce, whatever. Amazing. And maybe even just one pot. That's awesome. A good one pan dish. Yeah, that's sometimes, yeah. like all the flavors in the pan. Yeah, one skillet, one, off you go. One skillet, yeah. sear it, deglaze it, throw in your veg, maybe not necessarily in that order, throw in your veg, then deglaze it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, everything's in one pan. Yep. Your and you're there. saying, in the future, you possibly will have virtual almost lessons for people to kind of follow along at home. Is that kind of what you're wanting to do? Absolutely, yeah. 
that would be pretty fun because I, I think for the home cooks, you know, I think they can make an event out of it. Whereas, you know, they can have some friends over or loved ones and then cook it together, um, you know, just in the time and age that we're living in. Um, I think that would be pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's the best way to do it. So Sim what's uh, the next step here? So now the broad butter's browned. Ooh, so look I've, at that sizzle. So I've thrown in the guanciale. Okay. Which is super, super, super thinly sliced. We have our sage in there. The butter's getting nice and browned. Um, I know anyone that's listening can't see this, but you guys can see this. Oh, it's browned. Oh, it's yeah. Browned. And brown, we can nice, uh, smell the butter already. It's oh. amazing. Nothing like cured meats and butter. <laughs> okay, don't forget the sage. Yes. Oh, the sage is sage. in there. Sorry, yes, the sage is in there. All right, and with the, um, the the pasta that you make, how long do you usually boil that for? Obviously, so with with fresh pasta, it honestly only takes about 30, 30 to forty five seconds. Wow, that's quick. Yeah. Everything to be done, right? And but you need to make sure when you if you are rolling your own pasta, it needs to be proper thin. Yeah, right. The I've, thinner I've, the better. Hey? The thinner the better. Yeah. yeah. That's why you're you're doing that job for people. There, there you, you go. go. That's <laughs> what we're doing, right? Uh, so one of the main focuses for me is actually going to be the uh, the stuffed pastas. Yeah. Um, it, it's quite a bit of work to do at home, and it takes you need quite a bit of space to roll out the dough, and it, it can get messy. I find. You know, I make a lot of my doughs, especially after I had a complaint on the show that I didn't make my pie crust. Hey. So I, I try to make everything <laughs> I can. In the past, maybe for making ravioli, I've just used. Um, some dumpling wrappers, which have ended up all right, but they're still a little bit thicker than I'd like. A little bit thicker consistency and a little bit different taste. It's nothing like a fresh rolled pasta. Nothing. Nothing. No nothing, nothing, nothing like it. And, you know, there's, there's so many different variations of pasta doughs, right? You can do egg yolk, like pure egg yolk doughs. You yep. can do whole egg doughs. You can do water doughs. It's much cheaper. You still get a much nicer... Sorry, not much nicer, but you get a nice product still out of it. But it depends what the noodle is that you're actually going for, right? There's there's some dishes that you know, some of our most memorable pastas have just been flour and water. Yeah, simplicity at its finest, hey. Exactly. Like you, you add a little bit of sage. You add a, a some like um, the butter. Look at that. You got four ingredients in an elevated dish. Yeah. Speaking of butter, it's filling the room that we're in right now. I'm excited. Uh, Liam, you just popped in the pasta there for sure 30 seconds or so. Yeah, so it's been... And that's how quick it is, which is amazing. I haven't amazing. Really been counting, but... I, <laughs> I have, don't uh, worry. I'm, I'm uh, your... Well, how, uh, what, what second are we at right now? You're about 30 to 40 seconds already. Yeah, so time, time for a sip of wine, and yeah. let's uh, cheers to that, mate. <laughs> cheers, cheers. <laughs> uh, oh, that's nice. So what sort of wine would you recommend with this dish? Um, well, this one, because it's a butter base, like you have a lot of nuttiness going on. You have a lot of richness coming from the, the guanciale. Um, very savory notes. Uh, a nice Pinot Noir would be nice, or I'd say like a Chablis, like a nice big body buttery white wine. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't, you, you know, I this is the beauty about food and wine is it's all individual taste. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. You've got your own variables in there. And I love how it doesn't have to be pretentious. And I think it's already been proven. I don't think food should be pretentious. No, like I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, when people say you have to have an expensive bottle of wine, it's actually been disproven. I don't know if you guys have seen an article, but basically when they've done 
a blind test with a bunch of people, the average cost for a good bottle of wine is actually $20 or under, believe it or not. And they thought it was some You're sort of... Right. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a $50, $60. You know what? That's not practical for most people. Well, this, you know what? And this is kind of what I've noticed is that you get your BC wines. To get the really nice BC wines, they're actually quite a bit more money. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 a, much, it's, it's, a, it's a much newer market. Yeah. Um, than your kind of old world wines, your European spec. Um, but they've been, you know, the guys over there, they've been doing it for thousands of years. And Honestly. I think what's, what's the oldest BC vintage? For the 2015 or 2010 or something? Around 20, <laughs> 2010. Yeah, around there. Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, and honestly, I find that a good bottle of a Spanish or French wine for like around 15 bucks even, honestly, does the job. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we got the pasta in the brown butter. Oh, this is where the magic happens. This is If you guys can see it now, it's being tossed up with the sage, the butter, and the pasta is just soaking it every bit of that sauce up. And when you're, when you're tossing your pasta, my floor likes that sauce. Um, <laughs> when you're tossing your pasta, I like to let it sit a little bit so that the, you know, the, the gluten that's in the, in the pasta really absorbs that kind of sauce. Right. And this is a butter-based sauce, right? So there's not too much extra moisture going on. What it's really doing is it's just kind of binding in there, thickening. You know, it's, it's becoming it's, one. It's becoming one. There you go. <laughs> So I'm just going to throw that lightly back on the heat, probably for 30 seconds. Okay. 30 seconds. Right? That was honestly, from top to bottom, really easy. If it's pre-prepared for you like that and cooking it fresh. That's what you got to do? smells amazing. Yeah. That filling is off the hook, mate. <laughs> oh, my God. Four ingredients. Three ingredients, if you exclude the pasta. What about the love, mate? Never forget the love. It's always there. It's, it's kind of <laughs> like subliminal. Sorry. It, it's like the sauce. <laughs> yeah. I'm like speechless right now. Um, honestly, for the fact that it's three ingredients, there's such a complexity of flavors that, that you can taste that comes out. And um, I just think the natural taste of the, the butternut squash inside... I don't know. Like butternut squash never tasted this good to me before. <laughs> What's in here? You got to think. Well, so it's the, the 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 filling on its own. Yeah. Right? If you ate it by itself, you'd be like, eh, yeah, it's, it's no, it's, it's a combination. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a combination. So what you yeah. do, you're getting the earthiness, and you're getting the you know the terroir from the brown butter. You're getting the you know the the saltiness and the, the, from the the guanciale. Then you have the sage, which gives you that savory. There's actually no acidity in this. That's but, that's what I'm saying. I think the, but, the flavors... But are, it feels, because of the cured meat, yes. the way that it's rendered out and not crisp, yeah. it's still quite fresh, but it's just warm through. It's like it gives you that piquant kind of taste and flavor profile. Yeah, well, you, you've got a winner here, mate. And yeah. like, just for our audience out there, like uh, when you get this product out, where, the, where, can, they, where can they find it? Um, so I've, I've started... Uh, the company name, it's called Foglia, which is spelled S-F-O-G-L-I-A. Um, I have an Instagram page right, well, with we'll absolutely that. nothing on it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm slowly starting that, that part out, uh, working on the branding. Um, but if you believe it or not, the logo that I made for it was on Microsoft Word. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really, right there, I'm right. really doing this bare bones. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's just like the meal it's but like, you know what you're sticking to your roots it has everything yeah. You need. yeah yeah so um yeah i'm gonna start it from there and uh i'm just kind of working on the back office end of things right now um doing private dinners kind of help f- float you know the, the funding of the the business and the packaging and everything that i'm trying to do and then we'll we'll see where it goes from there i'm very excited awesome yeah i think you're onto a winner what do you think susie I think so. If the future is any indicator of uh, that reflects on this dish, I would say you're going to do just fine, Liam. More than thank fine. You, you're going to excel. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the, this episode of Just for the Taste. And yeah, we'll get you on season two, mate. I want to hear how this goes. you got a customer right here. Sounds and good. myself. And uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to dig into this pasta. Sorry, guys. Yeah, you do. I'm busy now. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Uh, no problem, mate. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.